Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions, will dive into education issues, and will highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sadorf. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for joining me today. I have the pleasure of talking with Kim Schaefer, principal of Whitehorse High School in the San Juan School District located in Utah. She'll be giving us some stories from the rural schoolhouse that she's worked with the last year, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about her experiences and learning the challenges and successes for students in her district and her school. Kim, are you ready to give us the scoop? I sure am. Great. Well, first, before we get started, tell us about you and introduce us to your school community. Um, I'm a former music teacher. Uh, I, I actually taught music at our school for 14 years, and then I was losing my hearing, so I moved into assistant principal for four years, and now I'm in my fifth year as principal, all in the same school. When I first came to this school from Minnesota, I was choosing a school where I thought I could teach my whole career and I'm very invested in the community. I love being here. And um, I, I, uh, I have my national board certification, which would allow me to go anywhere. Um, but I, I've chosen to be at Whitehorse High School in Montezuma Creek. We are a small school. Um, there's about 300 scholars at our school, grades 7 through 12. And we're in the four corners region of the United States. So, you know, pretty isolated. It's at least an hour for uh, people to get to a grocery store. Mm. The nearest college is in Durango for Fort Lewis College. Uh, there is a there's a growing satellite college with uh, Utah State University at Blanding. And they do have a, a little um, center here in Montezuma Creek so that you people can do broadcast classes that way. Um, we are located on the Navajo Nation. And almost all of our scholars are members of the Navajo tribe. And so this pandemic situation, uh, we've been following Navajo Nation orders while also attempting to work with the state of Utah. And um, we have a great group of, of staff and teachers at our, at our school who are really about serving and taking care of our scholars. We really, put scholars at the center of all of our decisions. We were doing that before the pandemic and that has helped us kind of serve our families throughout the pandemic. There's probably some unique things that are happening as a result of, of the students that you serve. What has the last year been like for you and your school as well as the Navajo community? Uh, challenging is one word that doesn't even come close to trying to sum it all up. I don't know the word. I, I've been in, in teaching and principaling now for almost 25 years, and this has been the most challenging ever. I, I mean, every day has just been some new thing. And, and you hear from, from families, and it just breaks your heart what they're dealing with. There's been a lot of, a lot of our families have lost immediate family members and extended family members. Um, my colleague at the elementary school in middle of January tried to count how many kids 
with her teachers, um, how many kids have lost an immediate family member. And it, at 40 is the number they came up with. And they're a little smaller than us. I think they have 250 kids. Mm. You, you know, the, the there's just been a lot of loss in life, but there's additional trauma that has been happening because um, the shelter in place order, you know, we have a lot of kids who haven't been off of their own area. Like, I mean, I'm sure they've been out of the house around their house. We live in a, in a, we're all spread out here. Right. And so it's easy to leave your house and go walk the Canyon. Um, but there's a lot of kids who haven't seen anybody other than their family members for more than a year now. We have tried what we can to do in person. And that, I think that's helpful. Um, but it, it just that isolation, isolation, and, you know, sometimes that can turn into all kinds of other mental illness. I, I don't know. I'm not making a lot of sense. It's just been really hard. It's been really challenging. And we don't have, we don't have really good internet here. So only about 30% of our scholars can access some amount of internet. So like in a, in a city, teachers are able to get on Zoom or Google Meets or Canvas conference and run a class. And, and a school could require kids to, to be on the computer in that Zoom class for a certain amount every day and require asynchronous learning to happen. But that's not our situation. When we first went into school closure in March of 2020, um, we didn't even try to do internet-based instruction. We just went straight to packets. And teachers in grade levels tried to connect their curriculum quick in two days. And we put out something that, that got us through two weeks. And before the end of that two weeks, it was clear we were gonna be in school closure for some amount of time. And so we decided to do a school-wide cross-curricular unit. When I first got into teaching, there was this integrated thematic unit stuff going on. Yep. And, and we, we chose a book, uh, it was a children's book, The Mountain, that loved a bird. And um, there's actually a, an original illustrator, Stephen Aiken, for that book. And we got in touch with the author's son. The author has passed on, but the author's son gave us permission to print from a PDF a copy of that book for every single kid because it's out of print. Wow. And we based all of our learning around that book. And we, we made like a one week, this is, this is what you're going to do for all these different areas at the end of the week, turn in this reporting sheet. And it was everything from take a walk and uh, observe the plants. Now sketch the plants. This is, this is sage. And in Navajo, you pronounce it, ah, and this is tamarisk. And this is an invasive species to observe the birds and how are they flying? Are they eating? Are they singing? sketch the birds, what, what are they doing? Um, and then collages, and it was, you know, it was a great coming together of our staff to, to provide out to our kids, things that we thought would help older kids take care of younger siblings. Um, we sent home mystery seeds 
And then they had to engineer, you know, a little, you know, use your juice cup that's coming off the bus because we're providing <laughs> lunches to you and, and engineer, how are you going to put a seat in there and not have it run all over your table? And then now your seat is growing. Is it a palmate leaf or, or, or a veined leaf? And then we taught identification of leaves. So, you know, we tried our best to, to teach what we could from the state core in all of our different subjects while also helping kids to take care of their younger siblings. And then, you know, in the summer, we really didn't know what to anticipate for the fall. So we, we tried to plan everything is going to be in Canvas. We're going to deliver our on-grade level, state core aligned class assignments for all eight classes every day. And, and then it came that we were still going to be in school closure. So we thought, well, we'll send home hotspots and Chromebooks. Everybody's got one. We did a little bit of hotspots in the spring and found out very quickly that, that, that they are not useful here because there's not very much cell service and they require cell service right. to really operate. And so we were skeptical and I made a, we have a Google drive with all of our folders and I made one folder that said backup plan materials. <laughs> and, you know, I just kind of did it as a, we probably aren't going to use this, but just in case. And um, we found a book, it, it's from England called Maths Made Magic. And I put it in there thinking, well, if we need to do another cross-curricular packet, we could tie it to math and really ground ourselves in math. And it, it kind of, it sat there, we experimented, we, we got a broadcast schedule together, we decided that every teacher was going to broadcast in Canvas conference one time a week for 15 minutes, because we thought that the hotspots could last for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. one day a week, and that math was going to broadcast twice a week. And, you know, we got that started, all of our content in Canvas, and by the middle of September, everybody was pulling their hair out, you know, kids couldn't connect, parents were frustrated, teachers, you know, had all this great curriculum, but learning wasn't happening. So we said, well, math and language arts keep going on Canvas the way you've been going. Everyone else hop over and our music teacher had a hero. Uh, there was a piece of music about heroes and there was five weeks of different traits of a hero. Mm. And it we made that be our cross-curricular unit and our art teacher did something about represent your family hero in pixel art. And we got grant funding to buy these put-in cups and we put them into our fence. We, we, we had the kids come with their families. We could do like a station, right? We, we didn't have a gathering, but we, we started these learning depot days, which was four or five canopies outside of our school. And station one, a teacher can meet with a family. Station two, a teacher can meet with a family. Station three. So it wasn't a gathering. We could provide in-person support for this cross-curricular unit, language arts and math. And towards the end of October, we did. Um, we were doing setup days and reset days. And this was a, this was kind of a conclusion of first quarter, set up for second quarter. Your family comes in, we called it Hope Week. You got an hour long slot to work with your advisor because we assigned scholars to teachers by advisor. So they serve families. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, get set up for second quarter and install on the fence your family's hero representation. And so we got, you know, one one family put up a wedding basket and the teachings that go along with the wedding basket and somebody else had a feather and somebody else had a cherry tree and someone else put up the word hope and it was tied to our hope week. So they got to meet with their advisor. They got to put um, their family hero representation on the fence and then they got their family picture taken. And later on, we framed that up and put it in their scholar supply bag. That was pretty cool. And then for second quarter, we decided to ground our cross-curricular units in science. So we did something about climate change and, and we were going by months. So mm -hmm. November was climate change. And then December was like climate change and energy sources. So we got to look at renewable and non-renewable energy. And our music teachers started talking about musicians use music to, to promote different ideas and listen to this person song about the wind or about erosion. And then in January, that turned into evolution and more teachers were coming into that cross-curricular unit. And then um, February was biodiversity. And so, yes, we're grounded in science, but we were tying into all these different subject areas. And in February, Navajo Livestock Reduction Program came into place. Our Navajo teacher was translating those different science terms into Navajo all along. So school-wide, we were practicing vocabulary multiple times, the same vocabulary, content vocabulary, but also supporting learning Navajo language. There were some really beautiful, some, some people call them silver linings. The collaboration with the teachers, the, the, the family engagement has been wonderful. And, um, you know, touched on lots of very important topics. And kids really had to um, be independent learners. And there was a, there was a chance for them to um, make some choices. And in by the time February came along and biodiversity unit, we had figured out to put in substitution assignments. Like if you missed submitting this assignment, you can submit this one and show us evidence of learning because it's about the learning intention and there's multiple ways you can show that. So we got together our full teaching staff and wrote a full quarter of curriculum for fourth quarter. And we're in this, um, we're in this cross-curricular unit now called critical thinking. We grounded it in one of the four C's. And next quarter in the fall, we have no idea what things are gonna look like. So we're moving from critical thinking to communication. And the beautiful thing about this is, is I mean, we've all learned something about writing curriculum, but we outline the, the whole quarter, each day or two days at a time, what are you doing? And we have, just for an example, last week, the assignment that we asked back, because we don't ask for all of them to come back, we mm -hmm. ask for the vital, the priority ones to come back. The one we asked to come back is better arguments. And the, the, the scholars are supposed to come up with an argument based on a dilemma. Why do they think it? There's no right or wrong answer, right? This is all about critical thinking. And if you missed submitting that, then this week there's an alternative assess, uh, an alternative one that you can turn in 
that is more math based and has to do with budgeting and you know here's your dilemma and how do you solve it but we we based this one in math that math made magic and the junior high kids got a book called tangerine and the high school kids got a book called of mice and men and it was it's all about critical thinking and problem solving and our teachers are now realizing it's not about all these ass assignments that you do it's about learning and the learning intention is this and there's multiple ways to show that learning and scholars are getting all kinds of choice and voice like i'm so proud of our team for for doing that journey and getting to this point wow that is some really amazing collaboration that you've been able to foster in the last year and it wouldn't have happened otherwise oh no oh no we were not headed that way at all i mean this is one of the best things that the pandemic has really given us is the opportunity to grow our collaboration skills, to grow choice and voice at agency for scholars. If we would have gotten there, it would have taken us years. The pandemic got us there fast. Mm, right. Same thing with going to one-to-one. -to -one. We were gonna gradually go one-to-one -one with devices. We had a pilot going with our eighth graders before the pandemic. Well, the pandemic happened and the whole school is one-to-one. -one. When, we, when we eventually come back to in-person, we'll be a one-to-one -one school. And you know that was something that we thought was gonna take us six years to, to do. So Kim, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges that you and your community are facing in terms of the isolation factor and broadband and access to uh, Wi-Fi technology, being able to connect in a digital way to learning. Are there any other challenges that you've had to face? And if so, how have you overcome those? Well, those are the biggest ones. Before the pandemic, we had challenges. You know, we're in a in a place where lots of our families are in the low socioeconomic situation. Almost 100% uh, of our families qualify for fee waivers, and there's a fair amount of of trauma that already exists. Mm -hmm. You know, domestic violence and we serve, I like to call a promising, a promising population instead of, instead of calling it an at-risk population. You know, there, there's, there was a fair amount of challenges here, perhaps more. We're a Title I school. And so those folks who teach in a Title I school could relate to the challenges that exist. But all summer, the, the challenge that we tried to address was the lack of internet, because if we had better broadband, isolation would have been less of a problem. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, I feel like that's the only problem we haven't been able to overcome. What are some of the lessons you've spoken about a number of them, but lessons that you've learned during the last year that you're going to take with you into the new school year? We're definitely going to do that cross-curricular. You can tell it's the passion mm -hmm. and I love doing it. it. Someone else talked to me and they said, oh, this, this just sounds like music teaching, you know, how you connect to all different subject areas. And maybe that was the, the germ of the idea, but now it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with other teachers. And teachers bring an idea and they just run with it. 
probably two other things. Our PLCs are, are now looking at each other's broadcast recordings hmm. and saying, you know, that's an engagement technique and it worked well because of this. Like we're really digesting our practices and, and able to say, you know, you introduced the what, why, how, and then you moved right on into the next slide. In your next lesson, after you introduce the what, why, how, pause and one of you use one of these metacognate strategies like this to five or predict what you'll learn or ask a question. And we'll be able to use that when we when we start doing in person again. And like we've really taken that opportunity of a year to build our teaching practices. We would have done a fair amount of that in person anyway. We were mm -hmm. headed that way. But having ready access to recorded teacher broadcasts has sped up our learning curve. And I'm, I'm not sure that we'll have access to as many recordings once we get into in-person. Um, but, but the fear of being recording, recorded is, is gone. And the, the fear of putting our, our, our teaching practice into public I think it, we're over that. We realize that, that we're in this together. We're learning together. We're going to help each other. Right. And the reason we're sharing our practice is to, is to grow and develop ourselves and each other. And that's, that's been a wonderful thing. And that's just another example of our, our team coming together to collaborate and help each other out. And then the other thing that I'd like to keep going is our, our family engagement and the outreach. You know, I think it's, we used to arrange our advisories by grade level. Now we're arranging them by family unit. And that advisor is really getting to know the family. Next year, we're staying with the same family units. And I, I think that there may be a feeling among our staff and families to just keep that same assignment going for multiple years. and. And that would enhance, I think, the parent engagement um, on our campus with academic learning. I, I don't think we've seen the full potential of that yet. I, I'd like to see where that goes. And um, I've also been doing a weekly Facebook live stream for parents mm -hmm. where I kind of talk through the this, this school-wide cross-curricular unit, show them the assignments or, or talk about, you know, different things that we're doing. And um, I don't think I would do it weekly, but maybe once a month I would, I would do Facebook. I, I definitely have reached more people through that Facebook live stream than I did with principal coffee one time a quarter and parent teacher conferences one time <laughs> a quarter. So right. that's something I'd like to keep going on uh, is that those different mechanisms for families to be engaged with learning. Those are some wonderful opportunities to take with you into the new year and powerful, very powerful for both your staff and their students, as well as mm -hmm. those families. What else are you planning for the upcoming year? This has been a long haul. I, I feel like I have hardly any brain cells left. <laughs> and the ones that are left are really, we're trying to deal with um, the end of the, the quarter. You know, how do we, how do we make sure everyone 
passes all of their classes? What is graduation going to be like? Because we're still under a, a stay-at-home order. Uh, the gathering limit is 10 people, and you can't have more than 25 cars in the parking lot, and everybody has to stay in their in their car. Um, but we're we're building the communication unit for the fall right now. We're going to find a book that fits our Lexile level. Uh, a lot of kids come to us at, at a third or fourth grade reading level. That's mm -hmm. one of our challenges before the pandemic that still exists. And so we want to do a big read, a school-wide big read. So we have to very carefully choose that book. We're hoping to find a book uh, written by an Indigenous author about an Indigenous topic that fits in with communication. We know that there's going to be a fair amount of of social emotional support that needs to happen. And that, that cross-curricular unit inside of communication would give us the time to, to do the emotional wellness piece while also trying to get back into academics. Do you have any um, opportunities to collaborate with your elementary peers? I, I collaborate with the principal and um, some elementary folks have reached out to high school folks this year and vice versa. It's been really exciting to see. Uh, most recently, uh, a group of us were, were together talking about, um, she has a, a STEM project going on that would teach elementary students to code um, because we have a, a pretty big um, coding initiative over here. And so she's trying to lay the groundwork for mm -hmm. that. That's pretty exciting. And then um, our math teacher, um, both here at the elementary, uh, at the high school and over at the elementary have talked about what are some of those priority skills that would be good for the elementary to teach so that when kids get to the junior high, they're more ready to go. Has the last year strengthened that collaboration effort? Yeah, yes, definitely. Uh, they The elementary kind of looked at well, what are you doing? Because she's a new principal. Uh, and so she saw us doing Canvas conference broadcasts and all of that content in Canvas. So she thought, well, for the ease of families, let's keep our broadcasts in Canvas conference instead of all these different Google Meets appointments that parents have to keep track of. I thought that was a wise decision. And then she actually figured out a mechanism um, where you could uh, get individual scholars with an IEP in to see a person for tutoring. She had an Excel or a, it'd be a Google sheet where she was keeping track of those appointments in case we had to do contact tracing. So we borrowed that idea from her and, and that's what we're doing. And now, like today, I said we were doing Learning Depot. We've moved our outside Learning Depot stations indoors to try to get people used to being indoors, it's safe indoors. We're all masked, we're physical distancing. It's one-on-one. -on -one. And so in different places throughout our school, we have these in-person um, sessions going. And we run those on Wednesday because the only people who are broadcasting are our language arts teachers. So everyone else is available. It's kind of a all hands on deck. We start at eight o'clock and run till 1.30. And we just started something new called Advisory Depot, which happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
because on those days it's math teachers broadcasting. So even more teachers are available. So your family, if you have two siblings, you know, a family of three or a group of two can come in and see your advisor for up to 90 minutes. And there's a chance that while you're there, another set of siblings might be in the same room. So we're getting used to, it is safe in school when everyone's masked and, you know, trying to bring people out of isolation and, and get used to the idea of being back in the building. So we could start what we're doing right now. We could start back up in August, but we'd love to just start with everyone being back. Kim, how have you found yourself growing as an educator over the last year? In so many ways. When I first moved into um, administration, I was only moving because I was losing my hearing and I, I wanted to have some hearing for hopefully a day when I have grandkids. I, if I had had my way, I think I would have been teaching the whole entire time music. Music was uh, something that I loved doing. It was never a job for me. Administration is a job. And I think it's a way to give back to the community. And and, um, I'm not originally from here. And and it it has required a great amount of commitment because I'm an outside person coming to, to this small remote area. And there were days before the pandemic where I thought, you know, I'm not really cut out to be an administrator. I'm a teacher. And I definitely thought that way for multiple years as a principal. And the pandemic has really helped me see that the principal is the the main teacher, teaching collaboration and teamwork, teaching resiliency. And so in order to teach those things, I have to be able to do them myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to share things properly in Google Drive. So that, you know, that's a technical skill that I learned. Um, I, I had no clue about how to do distance learning or, or, you know, what are the safety protocols and how do you, how do you run them for a pandemic? So I had to learn a lot. I'm a good learner, but that wasn't enough. It wasn't, it wasn't enough for me to know how to do all of those things. And I couldn't possibly teach everyone how to do all of those things so there was a lot of me having to figure out how to build capacity of team members and then there there's been a metaphor for me all the way along like we did the shiprock parade uh shiprock is like an hour away from us we're in the in the the northern navajo agency like lots of people come to the shiprock parade every year and i would take a band over there to march so maybe i have 40 kids and the, the, the parade route is probably three miles long. I don't know. It seems like a lot longer than that. It's always <laughs> windy and dusty because it's right at the beginning of October. And our bus would drop us off at the beginning. And then they would go to the end and they just had to find a parking place. And there's a city market there or bashes. I can't remember a grocery store. And we would say to the kids at the end of the parade, you just need to get back to the bus. It's going to be over by city market. You know, and we would get to the bus and people would be missing and, you know, we have to wait for them. 
<laughs> and they would come back and their instrument would be dusty or maybe it fell on the ground or their music was blown away. Like there was all kinds of problems when you got to the bus, but it didn't matter. Just get back to the bus. We'll deal with it then. And I, I kept thinking, we'll get back to the bus in May of 2020. And then the bus moved, right? <laughs> to September. Okay, we'll get there. And now it's at least until the end of May 21. Just get back to the bus and we'll have to sort some things out when we get there. You know, uh, what kind of accelerated learning opportunities are we going to need to provide for our scholars so that we can grow them into the next grade level? Because we do need to do a lot of acceleration. What are the priority standards? I have had a lot of personal growth. I guess it's maybe learning to be vulnerable in front of everybody else and admit I don't have an answer and I need help. How Help me figure this out. Uh, oh, nobody else knows the answer either. So uh, let's just do all this together. So how do we have those really hard conversations and be moving forward on our journey? And something about it's going to be a difficult life. So, so you don't you don't try to just deal with the difficulty. You you try to find a level of endurance to get through the difficulty and strength. I, you know, I'm I'm definitely a more resilient person uh, for bouncing back as many times as as I've had to, and supporting other people in bouncing back. And um, one area that had been really challenging for me is self care. So I've definitely. I've definitely been forced, I feel, to, to develop better <laughs> self-care practice. And, that, and that's important. I mean, that's probably going to make my time as an educator. It probably is going to increase my longevity because I think how I ran my, my work wasn't sustainable. And it, it became obvious really fast in the pandemic. Like this is you can't just work hard every day and, and come back. You have to do some things to take care of yourself so that you can show up for other people. And, and I am definitely still learning how to do self-care. Kim, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with the listeners about either your school or your staff or your school community? I think I've shared this before, but I, I think it bears repeating. The teamwork in our building is amazing. It's just so rewarding to be part of a group of educators that care so much about kids. Well, thank you for spending part of your day with me today. I really enjoyed learning about you and what's going on with Whitehorse High School and your school community. Well, it's been great to talk with you. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.